Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome back to the Bill Press Pod and a deep dive today into conspiracy theories. Where do they come from? And who's behind them? I mean, you know, there's been a lot of crazy stuff out there that Barack Obama was born in Kenya, that Hillary Clinton was head of a pedophile ring operating out of a Washington pizza parlor, and that January 6th was actually a false flag operation organized by the CIA. The problem is, a lot of people believe this shit because they hear it on right-wing talk radio, read it on extremist websites, and see it on right-wing television, Fox News, Newsmax, and now the absolute hellhole of conspiracy theories, OAN. And of course, Donald Trump just eggs them on and gives them credibility with the MAGA crowd. Fortunately, you and I don't have to watch that nonsense because Media Matters for America does it for us. They not only monitor all the right-wing media channels and expose their lies, they pressure media platforms not to broadcast this crap. How bad is it out there? Nobody knows better than today's guest, Bobby Lewis, writer and researcher at Media Matters and full-time conspiracy watcher. Bobby Lewis, welcome to the Bill Press Pod. Thank you so much for joining us. It's good to connect with you today. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Bobby, I don't know how long you've been at Media Matters for America, but I've known uh, your group uh, and admire the work that you do for a long time. On my radio show, I often had guests in from Media Matters for America, David Brock himself in studio, and uh, later Angelo, uh, Eric Burns, and Matt Gertz, and yeah, I always used to uh, remind our listeners uh, that we were lucky because we didn't have to watch Fox News. We didn't have to r- listen to Rush Limbaugh because the good people at Media Matters were doing that all day long and uh, calling them out for their lies and uh, and telling people um, the truth. Well, that seems so old fashioned now when I look <laughs> at the landscape. I mean, there are um, more players out there now and some of them more dangerous Notably, the one I keep hearing about is uh, OAN, One America Network. Uh, You've done a lot of work and research on them, I know. Who are they? Uh, Where do they come from? Uh, Who's behind them? And, uh, you know, how how big are they? Um, So One America News Network was founded, um, I believe, on July 4th, 2013. Um, Yeah, July 4th (laughs) by a gentleman named Robert Herring. He um, made a good amount of money um, selling his businesses uh, just before the dot-com bubble burst way back in 2000 or so. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he also had, still has, a channel called A Wealth of Entertainment, which is really where he cut his teeth on um, producing television. But he started OAN in 2013 because he thought that there was uh, a hole in the market for essentially a far-right news channel. And OAN sells itself to viewers as essentially that. Um, the, the argument goes that other right-wing cable competitors like Fox News and Newsmax have sold out in one way or another, according to OAN's pitches. Mm. And One American News Network, they say, is a place for sort of unvarnished conservatism. Like uh, their big pitch is that OAN will never sell out to the radical left. And that um, has borne out to a pretty large extent in their coverage. Um, For example, Fox News and Newsmax, you probably won't find a lot of explicit commentary that the 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump anymore, but you will find that and a lot of it on OAN. Um, So that's essentially what the network does. They're trying to stake out ground to the right of other right-wing cable competitors. And in turn, they're also pushing those networks further right as they try to stop people from watching OAN instead of Fox or Newsmax. So who carries OAN? How do people see it? I mean, I know you at Media Matters have been pushing back uh, on the uh, you know, Verizon and DirecTV and others that that used to carry them, right? Mm-hmm. Verizon, as of last week, thanks in part to your efforts, no longer does. How'd you do that? Um, well, the uh, Verizon thing was the result of uh, a couple of years of work, um, in large part uh, doing what Media Matters has always done, uh, watching these bad actors, listening to these bad actors, and uh, calling out their lies. Um, we also worked with a lot of uh, partner organizations who had similar concerns about this far-right channel essentially poisoning and undermining democracy for several years. Um, OAN was formerly available on DirecTV for a few years, but as of this past April, that's no longer the case, uh, due in part to Media Matters and other organizations um, trying to get DirecTV to drop the channel. Um, They declined Mm -hmm. to renew OAN's contract. And recently, the same thing happened with Verizon Fios. Now, OAN is not yet off the air at Verizon. It's um, it will leave the channel lineup on July 31st. But uh, after OAN is no longer available on Verizon, that will be the last of their nationwide carriers. And for now, at least, OAN's plan is to uh, pivot to streaming. Essentially, they're selling a new uh, pro- proprietary subscription service called OAN Live that uh, appears to just be a live stream of whatever is on the OAN channel at any given time. Um, so they're, they're trying to find a way to exist without uh, nationwide carriage. Right. How successful that will be, who really knows? So let's talk about the, the big conspiracy theories that OAN has been spreading. Um, you alluded first to... Um, 
the 2020 election, they're still out there banging the drum, right? That uh, Joe Biden did not win, Donald Trump won, and the election was stolen from him. Yes, that is that is still what OAN is on about. Um, I would say that lying about the 2020 election is one of the ways that OAN really tries to distinguish itself from the competition because they're just so brazen about it. Um, and the thing about conspiracy theories is that they typically serve to um, insulate some sort of uh, right-wing priority or person, policy, mythos, whatever, from reality. And in the case of OAN lying about the 2020 election, it is protecting uh, Trump and the conservative movement from the deep unpopularity of all that they have to offer. Not only that, it is also uh, preparing the conservative movement and conservative activists to assume that the 2022, 2024 yeah. election, et cetera, will also be stolen by the Democrats. Uh, they won't be, but getting the audience to believe that and to be ready for it and to act as though that is the truth is a prime goal for the network because that would mean that um, conservative policies, candidates, hobby horses could in theory have a better shot at the ballot box if they have OAN viewers working as poll watchers or election workers or um, even running for office to mm -hmm. win like um, positions of higher power and more influence over elections. And that's really the... Um, the, the dark part about their lying about the election so incessantly is that OAN is also trying to get OAN viewers to fill all of these positions where they would then be empowered to dispute legitimate votes based on lies and conspiracy theories. Uh, and they're also featuring and supporting candidates, correct, who take that position, candidates for uh, like secretary of state or uh, election officers or state legislators who support that wacky point of view. Absolutely, yes. Um, my colleague Beatrice Mount uh, noted a interesting pattern with OAN that um, since the 2020 election, uh, just six individuals have earned a combined over 100 appearances <laughs> on OAN. <laughs> yeah. um, and in this cycle, um, all of them are candidates for one of those types of offices that you were talking about. Uh, we have gubernatorial candidates, secretary of state candidates, there's a lieutenant governor candidate and attorney general candidate. And all six of these individuals um, have been appearing on OAN since the 2020 election, um, almost exclusively talking about how the 2020 election was allegedly stolen. Right. So th these lies about the 2020 election are almost a um, a universe unto themselves, right. like a media universe unto themselves. And um, hosting these people serves to to push that false belief out even more, to encourage those who believe in it to do something about it, mm -hmm. and to hopefully um, propel those candidates into office where they could then um, 
undermine or even throw out legitimate votes. Uh, and my understanding is one of those six candidates who's appeared at least 100 times on OAN is uh, Mr. Mastriano, who's the Republican candidate for governor in Pennsylvania uh, and a big election denier. Yes, Doug Mastriano um, was a, a prominent figure in our research for um, these OAN candidate appearances. Mm -hmm. um, Mastriano was a favorite of former OAN host Christina Bob. Um, to digress a little bit, Bob used to work for the Trump administration. She worked in the Department of Homeland Security. And then she sort of started working at OAN, sort of kept working for the Trump campaign. Um, and she was involved in the fake elector scheme. She continued to work at OAN for a while, and now she's back at Trump World. But um, Bob was one of the uh, major driving forces behind OAN's uh, 2020 conspiracy theories and behind OAN's efforts to recruit viewers as poll workers and such. Right. And she frequently interviewed Doug Mastriano for her mm -hmm. shows, for her segments. He was a regular factor in all of that. So I don't imagine that OAN subscribes to the Nielsen News Service, but do you have, is there any way of knowing how many people watch OAN, how big their audience is? You know, that's a funny thing. OAN does not subscribe to um, Nielsen ratings. Um, the channel's given reason is that it's too expensive. Now, I don't know if that's true, but what is true is that it is pretty hard to accurately measure OAN's reach. Um, they do sort of come up in uh, some Nielsen ratings. Um, I believe it was in 2019, um, Nielsen took data from the uh, largest metropolitan areas in the United States and tried yeah. to sort of guess what OAN's um, reach was. And using that metric, I believe they found that from April to July 2019, OAN averaged about 34,000 viewers a night, whereas by the same metric, Fox News averaged uh, over 600,000 per night. So it's definitely not in the uh, not within striking range of the big three cable networks, but mm -hmm. it has a non-negligible audience and attempts to um, get the TV ratings for OAN are not only bound to be incomplete um, because OAN doesn't subscribe to the industry standard, but also because OAN um, tries to get a lot of traction online. And yeah. No yeah. TV rating is going to show you like views on a video that you post to the internet. So, so uh, OAN has been sued by uh, Dominion Voting Systems for their claims that Dominion was uh, what run by uh, engineers uh, out of Venezuela or Cuba or wherever the hell they said. <laughs> uh, has that lawsuit had any impact on OAN's coverage at all? Um. It's hard to say with clarity whether that lawsuit has impacted OAN coverage, but I, I think that it is safe to assume that it has. Um, 
Now, if the question is, has OAN stopped airing potentially defamatory commentary about Dominion? The answer to that is mostly. Um, yeah. oh. <laughs> I've noticed um, a, fewer than five examples since the lawsuit started of comments that in my non-lawyer eyes would stray a little close to potentially defamatory. Hmm. Um, but I think more compelling than that is that OAN has been uh, throttling back a lot of its original programming. And in the interest of context, OAN never really had a lot of original programming in the first place, other than a couple of correspondent hits and maybe half a dozen hour-long shows. It was mostly just um, repeats of the same one or two hours of headline reads, but they've been airing even less original programming than before and mm -hmm. even more repeats. And yeah. I think that especially for a channel that is currently struggling to get attention and get income the idea that they're spending less time and less money on original programming i think is likely um a result of both them losing carriage at uh direct tv and verizon right. and also the increasing litigation costs from the yeah. suit. right so so uh the, the the next big conspiracy of course that they're spreading uh, is January 6th, uh, putting it down, downplaying it, uh, calling the people, the armed members of the armed mob, uh, patriots, and this wacky conspiracy that the whole thing was a uh, uh, sort of an inside job engineered by the CIA or Antifa or Black Lives Matter or whatever, uh, and was not an insurrection at all. Uh, that is still... Um, <laughs> pretty big in their output, correct? Yes, yes. Um, that is uh, pursuant to all of the 2020 lies. Um, in a sense, OAN, from their perspective, has to push that lie about the insurrection. Um, and they are certainly doing so with great determination. Um, one of the repeats that they have been showing more often in lieu of original programming is this bizarre, erratic uh, documentary, if you want to call it that. It's called Capital Punishment with an O. Um, and it is oh. a really strange two hours featuring uh, the actor Nick Searcy. It's like part interviews with January 6th defendants and their families, part mock congressional hearing where he's being tried as, I think he called it an insurrectionist, treasonist, white supremacist. Um, and the whole thing ends with a small monologue from Searcy that kind of gently suggests civil war. It, it's, it's a really wild two hour ride. And since the January 6th hearings began on June 9th, OAN has run that movie at least 23 times. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in, uh, I assume they did not carry the hearings. Right? No, 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 they have not carried any of the hearings live. Right. Let me let me ask you about. So, but by the way, let me also. What is OAN saying? I can imagine. Uh, I must admit, I'm, I'm I don't watch them. What are they saying about um, the pandemic? About COVID? About vaccinations? About masks? Oh, 
Well, <laughs> um, OAN's pandemic coverage is about as truthful as the rest of their coverage, which is to say not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when the pandemic first hit, OAN's line was, of course, that it was a Chinese government bioweapon that escaped the lab. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And of course, the purpose for that was to absolve uh, former President Trump of any and all responsibility for his disastrous handling of the pandemic. Um, Of course, COVID-19 is not a Chinese bioweapon. It is also not a US bioweapon. That was another thing that OAN Mm -hmm. kind of hung their hat on for a few months, that it somehow escaped a US government lab in North Carolina. That's also not true. but ever since then, OAN has really settled on the idea that, you know, maybe it wasn't a bioweapon, but it was released by the Chinese government. Um, and they are similarly, um, similarly disdainful toward masks and vaccines. The OAN line is essentially that masks don't work and the vaccine is a big pharma conspiracy to take your money and do something to your genetic code. They're never really clear on what, but of course it's sinister and bad and radical left right. and all of that. So OAN's pandemic uh, coverage is just a dumpster fire like the rest of it. Right. So I want to ask you about a couple of other people. When I think about conspir- conspiracies and conspirators, those who spread the conspiracies, uh, in addition to OAN, or maybe as part of OAN, I don't know, I think of some individuals who have uh, gotten pretty high profile on that front. Uh, let's start with Mike Lindell. Um, is he one of the big conspiracy theorists out there? And um, uh, do we see him on OIN? Mike Lindell of Mr. Pillow, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. My Pillow, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, Lindell is a fairly big figure in the um, stolen election conspiracy theory space. Uh, last year, he had um, a lot, 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 lot of coverage on OAN. The network aired, um, I want to say, at least three of his uh, self-styled documentaries, mm. each one alleged to have absolute concrete proof of election fraud. Mm. None of them did. Um, he held a three-day cyber symposium, he called it. Oh, right. I remember yes. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just calling in essentially anybody who claimed to have evidence of the stolen election and just giving them a microphone for a couple minutes. It was, it was a trip. And OAN carried about 30 hours of that live. <laughs> in addition to over, mm. it was well over 100 advertisements for the cyber symposium in the week prior to it airing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, they also turned over, I want to say about two hours of primetime total to just him sort of rambling with a fake news host that he hired for his Lindell TV streaming service. Yeah, it was just an all around disaster. Um, generally speaking, Lindell is still out there making a ruckus about a uh, stolen election, but I haven't seen very much of him on OAN this year. Um, mm-hmm. As to why, that's anybody's guess. Uh, how about Steve Bannon? What role does he play in the whole conspiracy world? Now, Bannon is a pretty big player. Bannon is a pretty big player. He, um, 
as uh, you and your listeners may know, um, Bannon really got his start at Breitbart News. Uh, right. He wound up being in charge of it during the 2016 campaign, sort of ingratiated his way into Trump's inner circle, fell out of the circle, rebranded himself as a podcaster, and is now kind of back in the circle. Um, but Bannon is an important figure in this uh, sort of universe of disinformation because he was a real pioneer in what he calls, uh, quote, flooding the zone with shit. Um, and mm. Bannon is really very um, sort of darkly talented in taking any given issue and filling the news consumers' eyes and ears with so much lies and disinformation and misinformation, misleading narratives, unprovable claims, just so much stuff and noise that it becomes either ineffective or impossible to sort truth from fiction. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. from there, if you can't sort out the truth of all of the stuff that you're hearing, people like Bannon are hoping that you uh, revert to an emotional reaction. And everything that Bannon and people like him push out to quote flood the zone with shit, all of that is designed to engender a, a very specific emotional reaction, typically yeah. anger, because so much of right-wing media revolves around anger. And that I think is sort of a macro way how Bannon looms large over all of this. Well, I love that phrase that you use, universe of disinformation. If you look at the in that universe, uh, yeah, Bannon's big, but how about Alex Jones? I mean, isn't he the biggest of all, or at least was at one time? And is he still a force? Uh, I mean, a, uh, an evil force? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Alex Jones is another big name. Um, it's my impression that he used to be a bigger player in these spaces, but he's certainly not small time now. Um, and even in spite of getting sued into oblivion by the Sandy Hook families for lying about their children, um, Jones is still around. He's still doing Infowars. He is still selling his supplements and he's still getting a lot of money from anonymous right-wing donors to keep his operation afloat. Um, but Jones is still around, and there's actually an interesting bit of crossover between Alex Jones and One American News. Mm. Um, one of OAN's correspondents, a fellow by the name of Pearson Sharp, um, he tends to get more attention online than most other OAN personalities for being so uh, bombastic and arrogant and pointed about the things that he's saying in a very Alex Jonesy style. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sharp has actually appeared on the Alex Jones show um, at least once, I think several times. And the two of them are predictably very chummy, very buddy buddy with each other. They believe a lot of the same things. They act on a lot of the same impulses. It's almost like Pearson Sharp is a slightly more button up version of Alex Jones. Um, but I think that really just goes to highlight Jones's influence on this disinformation universe. Right. Uh, just, just a little footnote, uh, the New York times on, um, Monday, the 25th 
uh, of July, ran an article about how many million, multi, multi millions of dollars Alex Jones has made uh, through his disinformation or misinformation uh, 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 broadcast as well. I mean, so these guys are are raking in a lot of money putting out these lies and this conspiracy. But Bobby, I want to ask you before we take a break here. So, uh, you know, are these guys really a danger that we should worry about? Or are they just so wacky, you know, with all this bullshit that we just kind of should ignore them as just being outliers and not having much influence at all? Or, Or should we be worried about them? That is a very good question. Um, I I believe that we should be worried about them um, because yes, a lot of the things that they say sound like kooky bullshit, um, especially to listeners who happen to know what they're talking about. But um, the truth of the matter is that it's a big country and it's an even bigger world. And it may sound like nonsense to you, but to other people, particularly uninformed people or people who have been drinking the right-wing media Kool-Aid about the biased and untrustworthy liberal media for who knows how many decades. To those folks, this kooky bullshit will sound like it makes sense. They'll, Mm -hmm. They'll think it's the truth and they will act on those beliefs. And there's a lot of those people out there. So, you know, we, we, sometimes tend to think that like, oh, just a certain subset of the population is just going to believe whatever they're going to believe. And there's nothing that can be done about that. But they're getting these ideas from somewhere. They're getting these ideas from the Steve Bannons and the Alex Joneses and the OANs of the world. So it is important to know what these people, these outlets are pushing because the corrosive beliefs that undermine democracy have to come from somewhere. And they usually come from places like that. Uh, And then the question is, how do they get beyond that? Uh, We'll delve into that with uh, Bobby Lewis from the Media Matters for America here in just a moment. Let's take a quick break on the Bill Press Pod, and then we'll be right back. And today's podcast with Bobby Lewis from Media Matters brought to you by the American Federation of Teachers, the good men and women of the AFT, almost 2 million strong under President Randy Weingarten. Uh, They are on the front lines every day in K-12 education, higher education, and by the way, also include now the National Federation of Nurses, part of the AFT. Teachers and nurses talk about doing God's work. They're doing God's work every day on the front lines. And every one of us owes who we are today to a great teacher or a great nurse who helped us through a tough time. So we salute the members of the AFT, thank them for their great work, and thank them for the support of the Bill Press Pod. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. And we're back. Today's podcast, uh, all about the disinformation universe, the misinformation out there, the conspiracies out there spread still a little bit by Fox News and Newsmax, but especially by OAN, the One America Network. Our guest, uh, writer and researcher at Media Matters for America, who spends about full time looking into OAN, uh, Bobby Lewis, joining us. Uh, Bobby, the big qu- let me ask you, first of all, picking up on what we just talked about. Isn't part of the threat also of these um, this disinformation disinformation campaign that some of the people listening to this g- can get so worked up, so upset that um, violence, as far as they're concerned, is part of the answer? Uh, yes, absolutely. That is a major concern of really any disinformation, especially political disinformation. Um, right reaching way, way back um, to the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, Your listeners may be familiar with uh, Dr. George Tiller. He was an abortion provider in Kansas who was murdered by a right-wing media addict in church um, after months and months and months of former Fox host Bill O'Reilly and others very publicly calling him a baby killer because he provided abortion services. And there are plenty of more recent examples of irresponsible commentary and lies and right-wing media inspiring violence. Um, The El Paso shooting, I think in 2019 at a Walmart that killed 20 or so people, uh, that guy, that shooter was obsessed with what he called, quote, the Hispanic invasion of Texas. Texas has not been invaded in a very long time. It is not under invasion now, but the quote unquote Hispanic invasion of Texas is a major, major, major talking point throughout right-wing media. And it continues to be today. So they've already demonstrated that in a broad sense, they don't really care if their words get people killed because it's what they're supposed to say. Um, And that that risk is still certainly at play for all of the disinformation that they push and especially for election-related disinformation. Right. I remember years ago, um, maybe six, seven years ago, uh, a man was arrested with an arsenal of weapons heading for the San Francisco Bay Area uh, to mow down the leaders of an environmental an environmental organization uh, based on what Glenn Beck was saying about them on his program that uh, wow. Glenn Beck had 
uh, had worked him up to, to, to that extent. So what do you make of the fact uh, in this, again, this world of disinformation of which uh, certainly Fox News, Rupert Murdoch was all part of, what do you make of the fact that uh, last Friday, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post both came out breaking with uh, uh, the rest of right-wing conservative media and said Donald Trump is unworthy of public office. He was in 2016, and he should never be elected again. Does this show a little crack in the dam here? It's it's kind of interesting, but I honestly wouldn't put uh, too much on either of those editorials, um, in large part because uh, if any one outlet has historically been seen as like the mouth of Rupert Murdoch. In recent years, it's been Tucker Carlson tonight. Mm. Um, And over on Tucker Carlson tonight, that was not the vibe about any of Carlson's January 6th uh, commentary, not at all. Um, If I remember correctly, Carlson instead took that same January 6th hearing, didn't really talk about Trump's inaction at all, and was just spreading more lies about like, the whole January 6th was like an insider plot or federal agitators or just some other sort of nonsense. Um, And moreover, there were, especially from the Wall Street Journal, a lot of early 2016 campaign commentaries coming out of the editorial board, uh, sort of tutting Donald Trump's uh, rougher edges. And all of that came to nothing. Mm-hmm. So I would say that Murdoch world is still pretty solidly with Donald Trump. Didn't Donald Trump say that OAN is now his favorite TV network? <laughs> he did say that. <laughs> he did say that. Probably because OAN just offers the most obsequiously pro-Trump coverage imaginable. <laughs> of course he would say that, right? <laughs> so the question that I have and many people do is, I mean, you've got this, again, batshit crazy stuff that gets started in this extreme right-wing media, and yet some of it ends up in the mainstream media, right? It gets talked about in The New Yorker and in The New York Times and on network television, like Barack Obama's, you know, being born in Kenya, right? Which is Uh totally without any merit at all, and yet it became a big story, and a lot of this of January 6th bullshit and a lot of the 2020 election stuff. How does that, how can they, you know, how does it get from Alex Jones, right, to the New York Times? <laughs> well, you know, that's a, that's a timeless uh, struggle for media matters, um, right, when yeah. narratives popping up in mainstream media. Um, they used to be really, really, really terrible about it, mainstream media has been. Um, I would say that they've gotten a little bit better in the Trump years. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, typically the way that you'll see something jump from the right wing to the mainstream is um, typically the right wing misinformation will play on a popular enough supposition. Um, You know, just coming up with an example, um, like, the, the idea that more immigrants means fewer jobs for Americans. That's not exactly true, but it's something that innately feels mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. So if that becomes a, something like that becomes a dominant enough narrative in right-wing media, then you'll get 
say a New York Times reporter writing a 4,000 word piece attempting to pull the pull the allegation apart. Right. And because American media is sort of addicted still to this both sides in any given issue, not wanting to appear to say like the Democrats are right or the Republicans are wrong because they can't come out and say something like that, even when the answer is obvious, the article still kind of winds up not really saying what is the truth, but just sort of playing one side off the other and shrugging their shoulders. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially when we refuse to call a lie a lie, that is a big part about how these um, untruths can really just expand over the um, over the electorate. I, I must say that on my re in my reading and watching the news and following the news, I find that almost universally now in the mainstream media. So tell me if I'm wrong, but when people do say Donald Trump, who says the election was stolen, there's always a, a, an ad for which there is zero evidence, right? Or which has been totally disproven. I think most people have gotten to that point. They just will not print that bullshit without noting that it's totally false. I would Am say I that's probably accurate, yeah. Yeah. Um, particularly in the mainstream coverage of the January 6th hearings. Um, but also if you're watching those, it's if you're watching those with a fair eye, it's really hard to even pretend to believe that the election was stolen anymore. Because it so obviously wasn't. Bobby, thank you so much for your time today and for joining us and for all the great work that you guys do at uh, Media Matters. Um, let me let me give you a make a plug here. How can people follow uh, Media Matters for America? Where do they go um, to find out what you what you guys are up to? Sure thing. Um, so we are uh, publishing our content on MediaMatters.org. Um, we are also on many different social media platforms, usually as MMFA or Media Matters for America. Um, and you can find me personally on Twitter at Rev R.R. Lewis. Rev R.R. Lewis. Yep. All right. You got it. Keep up the good work. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk again soon and continue to expose the lies and uh, keep, keep uh, telling American people the truth as you've done from the very, very beginning. Thanks, Bobby, for being with us. Thank you. Have a good one. And that's it for today's podcast from Media Matters with Bobby Lewis. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with our roundtable. And boy, it's going to be a very lively one. I mean, a lot going on this week in our nation's capital. Donald Trump. Donald Trump is back in town for the first time since he uh, fled town with his tail between his legs on January 20, 2021. There also could be very well a vote in the uh, Senate this week on same-sex marriage. And we learned the uh, very significant news that Mike Pence's former chief of staff, Mark Short, has been interviewed by the Department of Justice's grand jury, which means that uh, Merrick Garland, in his investigation of possible criminal activity on January 6th, is now inside the Trump White House. How long before he gets to Donald Trump himself? All of that we'll take a look at with this week's roundtable on Friday. So have a good week, folks. Take care of yourselves and come back and see us on Friday for the next edition of the Bill Press Pod, our Reporters Roundtable.